Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 112 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift, and I want to thank you for joining me and warmly welcome you to the show today. And we're talking about generational dysfunction and trauma today. And how does past generational dysfunction impact future generations? Well, it can inform who someone becomes, what they believe about themselves and others, and even God. But here is the good news that we're talking about today. DNA is not our destiny. And breaking free from generational dysfunction and trauma is possible because God redeemed us and our broken stories. And we don't have to wear any false labels because we are sons and daughters of the King. Amen. My guest today is Gina Berkmeyer, licensed professional counselor. And this conversation is packed full of golden nugget truth, God's truth of who we are. And we're going to talk about also her new book, Generations Deep, Unmasking Inherited Dysfunction and Trauma to Rewrite Our Stories Through Faith and Therapy and so much more. This is going to be a really powerful episode, and I know it's going to speak to a lot of our hearts today. And I know what Gina shares is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So take a listen in as I have a chat with Gina Berkmeyer. But first, here's a word from Access More. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm excited for the show today. I have my friend with me, Gina Berkmeyer. She is a licensed professional counselor who holds a master's degree in psychology and theology and advanced training in trauma therapies to help people heal, which is amazing. Gina has walked with the hurting to help them find hope and healing for nearly two decades. As a survivor of trauma and a cycle breaker of generational dysfunction herself, Gina passionately helps others to heal from hurt and shame and break unhealthy cycles and find freedom, which is so important. And I'm just looking forward to what she has to share today. Welcome to the show, Gina. It's so great to have you on. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. And uh, yeah, this is really fascinating. I always love the connection with psychology, biology. I always said like, you know, if someone ever took a biology class, I don't know how they would deny there's a God. I mean, there's just like, I agree, all this stuff going on in us, we don't even know what's going on in us, you know, Mm -hmm. as it's going and, and how we're created and all of that. But mainly too, I love the message of cycle breaking in your uh, ministry that you do and in the work that you do, because sometimes people feel like that's all they can be is what their family has been. So I would love if you would share a little bit about your story, how you got started in all of this, and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Sure. So Generations Deep is a book that was five years in the making, but really a lifetime in the making. And it starts with my great-grandparents, and it moves forward into my story. And the thing about breaking cycles is when I work with people, and even in the book, you'll see 
breaking cycles isn't about the actual pattern verbatim repeating from one generation to the next, right? It's the impact of the generation before us, what they endured and how that forms and informs who we become, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about other people, and ultimately what we believe about God. And that's part of my story. So there is a lot of dysfunction, a lot of, dis- a lot of trauma that happened beginning with my great grandparents and moving forward. But part of unpacking my story was unpacking their story and understanding some of the things, you know, they didn't become the way they were in a bubble, right? They had things that happened to them that created the way that they then responded to their children and their children's children and on and on and on. And so in the book, I take the the reader through that, but the other piece that I ask the reader to do is examine their own story as they're going through mine. Mm Because I think that it's great to read somebody else's story, but the point of reading the story is that God will take us through that to give us our own aha moments. And I didn't want people to lose that so that they could see in my story where they might see something reflected in their own story or in the story of the generations that came before them. And once God begins to reveal all of that, and you see how some of those things have impacted one generation to the next, and you know that you want to do something differently, that's how you can begin to sort of deconstruct those things and unlearn some of the patterns and behaviors that you learned in order to stay safe and to cope in the environment that you were raised in. That is really powerful. And I love how you were talking about as you read through the book, as the reader reads through the book, that it's your heart that they would discover aha moments in their own lives. And yes. I'm I'm sure as, you know, people do that, they will start to see things come to light and go, oh, okay, that's what that's about. Or, you know, maybe give them the courage to search and go backward because sometimes it's, you know, it's like scary, right? To try to delve into the brokenness of the history of your family. That's very true. There's this toxic phrase that says no speaking ill of the dead. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really toxic because what it says is not that we want to vilify anyone, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't give us permission to hold all of the truths in tension with each other. Mm -hmm. So maybe there were these really great things and these really beautiful memories. And we, we should pay homage to those. We should hold on to those. And yet there may be these things that were very painful and harmful and hurtful And we don't want to invalidate that because if we ignore that or push that to the side, what we're really doing is invalidating ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we take away our permission to heal. We take away our permission to even acknowledge that there's something we need to heal from. Mm -hmm. So being able to look at all of that is really important. In my own story, if we go back, we will see abandonment and fatherlessness and motherlessness. We will see addiction verbal, mental, emotional abuse, all of those things that came from one generation to the next, to the next Mm -hmm. personality disorders that manifested as a result of trauma, um, children born out of wedlock. I mean, it's, it's all in there and all of that has an impact that doesn't happen in a vacuum. And then all of a sudden everybody's okay after that. Mm -hmm. But if we don't acknowledge all of those things, then we don't know what we need to own and hold on to that. We do need to heal from. And that was part of the reason in developing a particular part of the book called the Expanded Trauma Perspective Questionnaire. And that questionnaire was created with the help of 60 other trauma-informed therapists. And the idea is that, you know, we know a lot of us can say, oh, yeah, well, we know that's a trauma. It's like a capital T trauma. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like some sort of like sexual abuse or physical abuse or, or abandonment or deep pervasive neglect. We can clearly see, oh, yep, that's traumatic or a violent crime. And yet there are many other things that are traumatic that we maybe don't even recognize or give ourselves permission to call trauma. Mm -hmm. So we, we created this questionnaire to help people expand their perspective, literally as the title of the questionnaire states, so that they can maybe give themselves some more permission, maybe give themselves some aha moments. And in the book, I also talk about the science behind that trauma because our brain does not discriminate between a physical threat and an emotional threat. All the same parts of the brain fire and wire the same way whether, and, and by the way, that's also a perceived threat. That's why PTSD is such a powerful and debilitating disorder, because what happens is it's a perceived threat. And so our brain is not distinguishing. It's not able to distinguish. And it's the same with an emotional threat versus a physical threat. We don't have a discrimination in our brain that separates those. So we have the same reactions and responses. Wow. That is fascinating. And it's so good to be informed of these things and to be aware of them and know about them. Because like you were saying earlier, going back and seeing all the different things, even in your past life, and as you were not your past life, we don't blame that, but right. you know, <laughs> the past, your, yes. your ancestors, your relatives, yeah, your family. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I just want to clarify that. Um, but as you were saying those things, things started clicking in my mind of, oh yeah, we had kind of some of that too. We had some of that too. And not giving permission for people to use those things as excuses. Well, that's why he was like that, or that's why she was like that. But it's good to understand why and where that came from, because it is personal to us, really. Sometimes we don't connect that it's personal and it is. And I love how you were talking about, I mean, I don't love the fact that this is true, but the fact that you reveal to people that emotional threat is the same in our mind as physical threat, because sometimes people just discount when people are verbally abused and think, well, he didn't hit you or she didn't, you know, do this or that. Right. Do you find that a lot, Gina? Absolutely. Absolutely. What I will tell our client, my clients is I take them through that message of how our brain processes the trauma. And I use that term loosely because the truth is in God's infinite wisdom, he did not give us a trauma box. Mm. So there really isn't somewhere in our brain where we store the trauma, the trauma. That's why we need trauma informed therapists who work from a redemptive worldview that understand God has wired us in such a way that the trauma doesn't, is it, it is not meant to be part of our story. It does not get its own little file cabinet in the brain. And so, but because of that, it can bounce around. It can bounce around in our emotions, even manifest in our body. That's something called somatic experience where our body experiences the trauma oftentimes even before the brain. Mm -hmm. And so we need trauma-informed therapists that work from that faith-informed redemptive worldview who understand how we heal in line with how God has created us, which is a top-down and a bottom-up process. And by that, I mean the older part of our brain. So when your brain begins to develop as a child, as an infant, 
in utero, it develops from spinal cord up toward the front, up toward the, the top, the front of the, the head. And so that's the older part of the brain because it's the first to develop. And that is where all of our habituated things ha- are like our breathing, our heart rate, anything to do with the nervous system. That's all in there. That's also where our fight, flight, freeze and fawn live. Mm-hmm. So it's an older, more developed part of the brain. So often that cognitive part, that executive function, that frontal area lobe of the brain gets taken offline in trauma. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a therapist who understands that, then they can't help you work from both the top down and the bottom up process. Mm -hmm. And we need somebody who can do that with us when there's been trauma. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty impactful. And I love how you said it was not meant to be part of our story. When you think about that, I interviewed Dr. Brian McIntosh on the show and he wrote a book made for Eden because we, we were not created for this sinful world, you know, that we're in. And so praise God that it is a redemptive story and how the trauma counselors that are doing this from a biblical worldview is so important because without that you're missing such an important piece to who we actually are and how we view God. And if you could also expand a little bit about what you were talking about, because I know we've probably, maybe not maybe all of us, but many of us have heard the fight or flight, but you Mm -hmm. actually take that a few steps further. So about, you know, the freeze and fawn, can you go a little bit further into what that is? I think most people do think of fight and flight, right? Like that's our response. And and I will say that they are relationship specific and trigger specific. So it might be that you default to a certain type of trauma or fight, flight, freeze, fawn response with your uh, spouse, but maybe it's different with your kids or your friends or your father or your mother. It could be different. It is relationship specific most often. And that being said, we each tend to have our default where we go to the most. And so fight and flight are exactly what they sound like, right? Put them up, dupes are up, right? You're ready to fight it out. And that doesn't mean physically, often that could mean verbally, or just even in the energy that you kind of put out in that relationship that says, don't come close, right? I'm ready to, to take this on. And then, and then the flight, which is we run away, right? We see a big bear coming at us in the, in the woods and we run from that. So that's our flight. So freeze is, you see this in the animal kingdom a lot too, but freeze is literally freeze. You're frozen in place. You don't know what to do and freeze in a trauma response can look different. So it can be dissociation where your mind goes somewhere else, but your body is present. Right. And freeze can be like, like you're, you don't know what to say. Um, your words don't, don't come out clearly. You just feel like you can't get words out internally. There could be a frenetic pace. Like the heart could be racing. Your face could be hot. Your chest could be tight. Everything could be happening internally, but you're basically frozen in place. And then fawn falls after the term we fawn over someone, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to downplay the threat we're going to acquiesce to whatever request is in front of us. We're going to try and placate the person that we feel threatened by. We're going to, and this definitely happens most often in children who are parentified, 
at a young age where they learn that it's not safe to have needs because those needs don't get met mentally, emotionally, physically. So they learn to take care of their parent instead. So they are the emotional uh, spouse for their parents. Um, They are the mental spouse for their parent. They are constantly letting go of what they need to make sure their parent is okay so that they can be safe. So when people have that in their history, those are the people that later in life, their default mode when things are scary is to go into the fawn response. Mm. Wow. I love how you unpacked all of those different things. And the latter one that you talked about, the fawn response, is that to, I guess, when children are subject to parents with addictions or other things that they do to cope, which leaves them dysfunctional and they can't function. So the child becomes the parent. Like you were kind of saying that and kids are robbed of their childhood. You know, they can't be children. So that's a huge part of my story Mm. was caring for the people who were supposed to care for me. Mm. And so, but ironically, I did not develop a huge fawn response. Mine was much more fight. Uh, and I, and that's interesting, but I will say that I did see a lot of the fawn. And so people might think, but well, I don't really do that. Right. Well, do you tend to lean towards codependency? Do you tend to feel like the people around you need to be okay so that you can be okay? Do you lean towards people pleasing? Have you found that you've constantly reinvented yourself in different ways to fit in with different groups, to be accepted, to be loved? All of those things can be indicators of a fond response. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Do you tend to lean towards codependency? Do you tend to feel like the people around you need to be okay so that you can be okay? Do you lean towards people pleasing? Have you found that you've constantly reinvented yourself in different ways to fit in with different groups, to be accepted, to be loved? All of those things can be indicators of a fond response. Mm, Wow. That is an eye opener right there because (laughs) some people might not realize that that's what that is. And it's so important to put a name to things, right, Tina? Mm, Yes, absolutely. To name things like that. So, and you know, it's really fascinating how you combine all of the faith in God with psychology and biology and also with um, epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little bit into what that is? Sure. So uh, at a meta level, when we say epigenetics, we know that we have our genetics, right? We have our DNA. So if you think epi as in above or over around, those are your epigenetics. Mm -hmm. And so epigenetics are basically the things that um, influence our genes, right? It's the switch that turns it on and off, right? So if your DNA, pardon the crude um, analogy, but if the DNA is what loads the gun, epigenetics pulls the trigger or doesn't, or locks the safety, so to speak, right? So epigenetics is really important to understand. And there are a ton of influencers for our epigenetics. It's environmental, stress-related, relationally related, uh, nutritionally related, spiritually related. There are so many, it's hormonally related. I mean, epigenetics as as a meta, there are a lot of different things that influence our epigenetics. Transgenerational epigenetic inheritance reflects more of the behavioral things. So 
I could use the example of somebody who has addiction in their history. Mm -hmm. This is another reason why it's important to understand our history. So say a person has a a big history of addiction in the family, but maybe uh, the parents, it didn't manifest in substance abuse. Maybe it manifested in a more covert way, like a workaholic, Mm -hmm. right? Or or, um, very rigid in their behaviors or things like that. And so you have... The, the child now 12 years old, which is a very 12, 13, 14, that is a very formative developmental window. So say that child is in an environment where things are stressful and they get invited to a party and they're offered alcohol and they decide that they are going to take partake in the alcohol. Now, because they are predisposed genetically to an addiction and in a formative time of life connected to emotional stress, they are introduced to using alcohol, they can flip the switch of those genetics with that are related to addiction. And they can actually, that can actually cause a greater likelihood that that kiddo is then going to have challenges with substance abuse or alcohol. So really thinking about epigenetics being there's, when I talk about the generational patterns, there's two kinds, right? There's the overt kind where we clearly know that this is passed from one generation to the next, to the next. Then there are the influencers or the epigenetic influencers that maybe we have a higher stress response because of how we were raised. That was an epigenetic influence in our environment. And maybe that came from grandma being super stressful because of her history and her story. So epigenetics is really all about what influences us at another level beyond our DNA. What's beautiful about that is that we used to think that DNA was our destiny, right? Which is really antithetical to scripture. I mean, we can go straight to Romans 12, right? And we know that we can be, it talks about a transformation. Other places in the Bible talk about transformation, but really thinking that DNA was our destiny, that was antithetical to that, right? Mm -hmm. But now we know that's not true. It's not DNA. DNA is not our destiny. And our epigenetics can be influenced throughout the entire course of our lifespan. So that whole thing about it's never too late, it really is never too late because that epigenetic influence, we have power to change what is influencing us and then write a different story that we can pass down to the generations after us. That is really going to encourage someone today because it's easy to just fall into that why that, you know, this is my life. This is how I'm going to be, but it's not who God says that you are and that he brings on the transformation. And it is with, you know, God's redemptive power and what Jesus did for us on the cross and his resurrection, that we have that hope that we don't have to have a label put on us just because someone in our past had a label on them. We can tear those labels off and change the trajectory of future generations in our life. Right, Gina? Yes. And I think that's so important. I'm glad you brought up the labeling. It's really important when I work with clients who are struggling in a pattern that is repeated from generation to generation, we take out the I am statements, right? That's really important to, to re condition those I am statements. I am an addict. I am a victim of fill in the blank. Um, I am the product of this. No, that's not, that's not what you are. That's what has happened to you. You are first and foremost, a son or daughter of the King. That's, that's your identity. And then from there, and you might not feel it and that's okay. 
But then from there, let's take a look at what are the things that you need to help you heal so that you can accept that truth. And sometimes that is where the, where we need that trauma therapy, where we do need somebody who really understands the evidence-based practices that help us heal holistically, because we're not just spiritual beings, right? We are physical beings. We're emotional beings. We're mental beings. That's all, all of those are aspects of us. That's how God has wired and created us in his image. And so somebody who really understands how all of those pieces work together to heal, to help us accept that identity in Christ is important. Mm. So good. Wow. That is a great nugget of wisdom and truth right there. And, you know, even like you were talking earlier, how there's the big T trauma and then the small T trauma, which doesn't mean it's small, but the fact being that it's not as recognized and it can go under the radar without people realizing what's affecting their life and their behaviors in those patterns that they can't seem to break because they don't get what's wrong really going on with them. And so, uh, I think that's really important that people can realize this happened to me and it's not okay. And it could even be something, right? Like we we go right to the abuse type of situation, but it could be something as traumatic as being let go from a job that you've had for, you know, 30 years or, you know, it could be something like that where you've allowed your, basically your DNA get wrapped up in that what you did instead of who you are gets confusing, right, Gina? How do, how do you take care of that when a, when someone comes to see you about that? So I think it goes back to what you just said about the identity. And I would say that if somebody is in a job, we'll take the example that you gave. If somebody is in a job and then they're like, oh, and that feels like a traumatic experience and they're having a hard time coming back, that is a symptom of a deeper problem. And oftentimes, and and I have handled that exact scenario with clients before, but that is sort of the grain of presenting problem that helps us go to the root of the truth, which is they never felt accepted. They always had to prove themselves, their identity. They had to earn their love and acceptance of their parents. Their identity was always wrapped up in their doing, not in their being. And so I would say, if you've had something like that and it has thrown you off significantly, that's the space where you're going to want to get some help to do that deeper work. Mm, That makes so much sense. And I love how you were talking about how you can take what's on the surface and then take it down to the root to see what's really under all of that, you know, cause it's probably not that, you know, in and right. of itself, it's like some things that maybe we've believed about ourselves that weren't true or things we've believed about God that aren't true. Um, you know, the acceptance and, you know, people pleasing and all of that. I know so many of us can relate to having struggled with those things in the past. So I just think it's amazing. So, um, yeah, the, the book, how did that come about that you felt led <laughs> to write this book? Well, it's sort of, you know, I'm a firm believer that whatever we go through, um, if we let him, God will redeem it and then he will multiply the redemption if we'll use it to help others. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the book was about. Uh, It was, as I said, five years in the making, but it was the culmination of, and, and first of all, let me just say clearly, lest you think that I'm saying I have arrived. None of us have arrived on this side of heaven. It is a journey. And if you have things that you need to heal from healing is there's always another step you can take 
not in an exhaustive way, but more in an, it, you get to the point where it's like, you're invited, you're excited about that next step. And this was kind of a next step for me. Uh, as I said, I've been doing this work for quite some time, started as a pastoral counselor, realized that I needed to get a little bit more education under my belt to really help people with deeper wounds and traumas, and then went on to, to pursue my master's degrees. And so I think it's important to realize the levels of, of what we have to go through to help other people. We cannot help others until we've done our own work. We don't have anything to offer if we haven't done our own work. So it was really that culmination of my story and my professional career and journey and those two things coming together. And the more I did this work with my clients in the room, the more I realized, gosh, you know, there's a lot of people that I can't reach because I can't sit with everyone. And I just really felt that God was moving me toward writing this book. Mm -hmm. And it, it was quite a while in the making. Uh, there were some stops and starts. I think I had some arguments with God about what it was that I was going to write. I, I, think in the beginning, I thought, well, I could do vignettes of my story. I don't have to like do the whole story. And it just was not the book it was supposed to be without that. So I, I wasted a lot of time, I think, wrestling with God, but again, there was a lot of healing and growth that came from that. Mm -hmm. And then putting it together in such a way that people can see the story of my ancestors, see my story, the good, the bad, the ugly, lots and lots of the ugly mm -hmm. and, and give themselves permission to put shame on a shelf like that does that has no place here and really be able to say okay I hear what she's saying I see what she has shared now I'm going to let her vulnerability invite my vulnerability and I'm going to put my story out there so it really was a way for me to not just help the people that sat in a room with me but to be able to help people on a more global basis and from there we have some things coming this year. There's a workbook that's coming so people can expand how they're writing their answers along with some other things that can help them on their journey in the workbook. And then we're going to be launching a curriculum based on the book as well. Mm, that's awesome to be able to expand yeah. on what God gave you to write. And then now people can delve even deeper and find healing and hope through what he has you doing in the workbook part part of it, you know, for people that really work through it. And this is just so amazing. I love the whole thing that God is bringing out, you know, and just over again, how our stories can be redeemed and used to help other people because we can relate and see, you know, Hey, this is not my story. It doesn't have to be my story and God can transform my life. And, you know, to seek help and seek good, wise counsel from, uh, you know, someone who is a godly therapist, someone who is a godly mentor, someone that you can really trust your story to. And I love how you share your story, how God had you to share all of your story, not just the little pieces of it. So people could really connect the dots in their own stories. And I think that is amazing to bring that healing. That's so important because we need healthy disciples to be able to share the truth of God's word. And if, you know, especially if, you know, cause women primarily listen to, to the show and they are feeling that because of where they've been, what they've done or what's been done to them, that they can't be used by God or they can't serve him. And that's the heart of fierce calling to have, mm -hmm. you know, people 
share their stories, like your story, like you're sharing that and you're writing this book so that people can see that there is hope to be overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and how Jesus can transform them. So thank you, Gina. I love that so much. And was there anything else that you wanted to leave the listener with? And then I'll ask you to share how they can connect with you. So I would say to anybody who's listening and sort of feeling that disqualified thing, uh, that's a lie of the enemy. And please don't believe it because the things that you think have disqualified you are the very things that qualify you in your specific special story that is going to speak to someone out there. You never know. You ha- that's why the healing journey is so important because you never know whose life you're going to help save by sharing it. So take the journey. Don't be afraid. Shame, fear. Those are all things that the enemy uses to isolate to keep us small, to keep us quiet. God has such a big plan for you. And I don't mean big as in maybe it's not a global platform, but it's big because you have a story to share that's going to impact the world and never underestimate the power of a ripple effect. Mm. One person that can heal can help heal so many other people. Never underestimate that power. Wow. Well, that is going to be one of my favorite quotes that I put in the show notes. <laughs> There's been a lot of those. So um, I'll pull some out, but that one is really good. <laughs> so I think we need to really chew on that for a bit. So thank you so much. This has been amazing. And I've really enjoyed having you on. And this is just like such a powerful conversation and uh, what you brought out and unpacked for us today. And I would love if you would share how the listener can connect with you and find your book. Sure. So just about anywhere they can find the book. Of course, the easiest is Amazon, but they could probably find it anywhere. The full title of the book is Generations Deep, Unmasking Inherited Dysfunction and Trauma to Rewrite Our Stories Through Faith and Therapy. And they can find me and the book at generationsdeep.com. Nice. Okay. And I'll have that in the show notes as well. So people can reach out and find you. And this is just amazing. And I would love to have you on again sometime, maybe after the workbooks and all of that kind of stuff comes out. We can talk more about it. Sounds great. (laughs) All right, Gina. Well, thank you so much. And God bless you and your ministry and what you're doing in the lives of other people and how you've shared your own story and that you were living out the Joshua and nine to be courageous because God goes with you and that others can also experience that healing as well. So thank you, Gina, and I hope to talk to you soon, and you have an amazing ministry to others. So thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom. Thanks, Doris. Thank you for listening today, and I have a feeling that there were some aha moments during this conversation, right? And let me know if this impacted you in any way. You can leave a comment at doraswift.com. And there is a place after the show notes where you can leave your comments. And we would love to hear if this really helped you today. It does really matter what we do for future generations right now. I just love the quotes from the show. One of them was, that's why we need trauma-informed therapists who work from a redemptive worldview who understand God has wired us in such a way that the trauma is not meant to be part of our story. Friends, there is so much pain in this world and trauma, and maybe you've experienced some of that as well in your past or even currently, and know that God 
never designed us to have that trauma in our lives, but he does make a way and he walks with us in and through it. And Jesus said in this world, we would have trouble, but to take heart, he has overcome the world. And if you need some help, reach out and ask for it because you are not alone, friend. And make sure to check out the show notes and the links so you can connect with Gina and grab her book. It's going to really help you or someone you love. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.